Just tell me what. Welcome everyone who listened to and perhaps watching Calling the Audible. <laughs> I forgot which show I was on for That's a second. That's the show we're on. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, you should know that before you start the show, right? Iggy, um... Welcome back. This is going to be a, a tough screen, show. Screen three, please. Also, uh, yes. thank you for welcoming me back, uh, Eagle. I appreciate that. I've been away for a while. I've been away. Um, I had a great time, but um, I'm going to be honest with the audience. I don't feel like talking about Flag today. I am... Uh, Why is that? So... Because someone's a loser! Yeah, yeah I feel <laughs> yeah. like locked down today. Um... The thing is... Oh, you feel locked down. I feel locked down, yeah. Um, you know, I learned in therapy you need to set expectations for conversations at the beginning so that um, they don't get out of hand. And um, Which I tried to do, by the way, for you uh, all week, and you just told me to go fuck myself. Yes, <laughs> and I meant it. I still mean it. We're still enemies till August 15th. Okay. Um, I set that expectation, so I want to stick with it. But, um, yeah, we lost... We we came with the within a bad decision from making the finals, the division C finals. finals yeah. So I'm I'm completely devastated and heartbroken, um, and I've been angry all day. I've been kind of spitting bile at everyone, um, and so if I do so, I apologize on the front end. Yeah, at least you didn't get any of it on me, so I'm okay. Yeah, but now you're close to me, so we'll see how that goes. Mm. Um, we're gonna basically. Go down the uh, divisions, talk about what happened um, in the semis, and then do some analysis that will hopefully be better than last I show's paltry it. analysis. I uh, because I guess when you have Mo and Iggy on, nobody can analyze a game like it's not 1996. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll analyze uh, what we expect to happen, um, and then we'll give our predictions at the end. We're also going to be hearing from some of the authors of the articles. We have two of them here. We have myself and Iggy. Yep. It's not common that the two of us are in a studio together. Uh, uh, it's been more common it, recently. We did it once this yeah. season, I believe. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Oh. Um, but you usually are replacing me. So yeah. that's that's why. Yeah. Uh, which, by the way, thank you, by the way, for spelling me while I was away. Um, what, what you don't know is I signed a contract. Okay. And I've now replaced you officially as uh, nice. calling the Audible uh, as long analyst. As, as long as I get my $1 more than Eagle. In perpetuity. That's all that matters. I'm pretty sure that was in the contract. There we go. Um, yeah, so what we'll do today is uh, it's going to be a little looser than normal. Uh, we, we have an hour and a half with you, and Eagle will uh, throw topics at us. Uh, so not topics. They'll throw divisions at us, and we'll go through those games, and we'll, we'll, we'll break down the finals. And we'll hear from the division uh, article writers. We're going to hear from Alexis Dubois as well as Joel Mendelssohn. And they'll talk to us about Joel. We're gonna actually not hear from because he's only available way late in the evening, and that might be tricky for our schedule. So read his article because he's a great writer. So it would have been nice. I haven't. I think I've only spoken to him when we hired him, and then <laughs> once at the field when, when he's working up my game, and that's the only time. It's a weird season where I was away for a significant part, so it's harder for me to keep uh, track of. The writers and stuff, but he, he he's a great employee, man. He's the kind of employee that doesn't need leadership. He's great. You just yep. pull the string and yep. see what he does. Yep. So, Eagle. Do you know who also needs no leadership because he has all the qualities himself? A prime minister. The mm. prime minister of this country. Not just the country, just the general. Alexis Dubois, who joins us hello, from hello. his couch. 
Question mark? Yes. Couch. Ooh, that I don't hear him. Do you hear him, please? I don't hear him at all. What? There's an issue with the yes, audio. Yes, with the audio. I heard no music. Yeah. Oh, so this thing isn't on then. It's on. It's on. We, we hear on? each other. We don't hear Alexi. Alexi, how's your ASL? Uh, amazing. Alexi will go find audio. There we go. Uh, there we go. <laughs> it was. Yeah, yeah. You know, this, is, this is the weirdest thing. It wasn't the headphone amp. It was specifically Iggy's wire prevented both of us from hearing the audio for reasons I can't even explain. That makes no sense. And in the process of doing that, we've now lost Alexi walking around this house. <laughs> this is the best start to a finals <laughs> yeah, yeah. episode ever. I love <laughs> he's holding a plug. It looks as though he pulled the plug on the show. <laughs> Thanks, Alexi, for the physical manifestation of your actual presence on today's episode. It's a continuation of last week's show, Eagle. <laughs> With oh, Mo God. coughing and the... Yeah. Yeah. That was... You, you watched... You caught the... Oh, I listened to the entire <laughs> show. I went into a hotel to steal the Wi-Fi... European Wi-Fi is trash, by the way. Yeah, it um, is. Great food and great drinks, but, but the wi- they don't wi- care. Wi- what, the food and drinks are so great, they don't care about internet. Yeah. Now so yo, how's it going? For a while, you Not were frozen, bad. and you were holding a plug, and it looked like you pulled a plug on the show. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like you just ruined the show. So thank you for that. How's it going, Lexi? That's amazing. How are you doing? Not bad. You guys? Uh, terrible. I am distraught and angry. Uh, Iggy's fine, though. Yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he's happy about that. Yeah, he is. He's a jerk. He's a piece of human garbage. Uh, mm-hmm. So if you see Iggy at the field, feel free to throw garbage and compostables at him. Nothing sharp, though. That would be when I'm quarterbacking. On the, in the yeah, playoffs. oh, that's the best time to throw stuff at him, actually. Yeah, yeah fully agreed. Uh, but yeah, speaking of which, yeah. kiss my uh, end zone. Makes it to the finals. So you guys are playing the final uh, finals together. I'm always happy as a uh, member of, uh, historically member of the franchise, I'm always happy to see Kiss My End Zone get there. So congrats, guys. Uh, but you guys were at the game. And I'll start with you, Alexi. What can you tell us about your uh, semifinal game? Well, Iggy started off by playing absolutely awful. Yeah, he I decided to try to throw the game away in the first half. Thankfully, he came alive in the second. I think it was a mix of playoff jitters in the rain, which decided to give Iggy a bit of the shitters. Anyways, it was all good. We managed to pull through eventually. Yes, word pun indeed. Uh, the first half was relatively catastrophic. I think it was probably the worst half of football Kiss Lanzo had played all season, complete with Iggy's first pick of the season and inability to stop the other team offensively. Long story short, nothing really worked. Mm-hmm. Sneaky Snakes played a great first half. They were scoring, I think, on every single drive except one. They were moving the ball. They were looking very much the part of a championship contender team. Thankfully, in the second half, Kiss by Anson was able to kick things into a higher gear, a gear we all know they have with players like James Drisdale on the roster. And they were able to pull away in the second half by shutting things down on defense and scoring on every single drive. But things were looking really worrisome up until that halfway point. So... um Iggy, given that we have the quarterback in that situation on the show, we, we don't often have that. Yeah. Um, can you describe sort of to the listeners about like the sort of sensation of things not going your way? Yeah. You're seeing your defense allowing points. Like what's going through your mind? How did it feel? And how did you feel that you righted the ship? How did how did you play your part? And I know obviously Alexi and his defense uh, were able to do that as well. But how did you write the ship on your end? Yeah, so, you know, as as a quarterback yourself, 
when you're uh, choosing to start on defense, as most teams do when uh, when they're the home team, uh, you know, if a team scores on their first drive, no problem. Like you, you know, you have the 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 ball starting in the second half, and you're pretty confident with you know putting up an average of 37 points a season uh, or a game. Sorry, uh, that you're gonna score, and then you'll you know going score for score in the first half is not a necessarily terrible thing. Uh, but the Sneaky Snakes defense did uh, a very good job on their first drive. I believe it was a, a quick four and out. Um, and they subsequently scored on their next drive. And six minutes into the game and you already find yourself down 14 nothing. It's a bit daunting. So um, uh, luckily, and I already kind of felt the urgency to score. Uh, and luckily we did in kind of like a hurry up sugar huddle of favorite of yours yeah. in uh, in just two plays. So that regained at least a little bit of the confidence back. Uh, sneaky snakes. Uh, and then, sorry. And then uh, what would really propelled my confidence was that the defense on uh, for Kiss My End Zone got, got me stops, right? Got me interceptions, got me the ball back into my hands, even though there were, yes, as Alexei alluded to, uh, my first pick of the year. Um, but... It was really the strength of the, the defense that kind of kept me level-headed and, and confident that, you know, they're going to get me the ball back. And as, as long as we just continue our usual offense, that everything was, was going to be all right. And that's kind of how the, the game prevailed. But Sneaky Snakes, credit to them. Very good defense first half, very good offense first half. Kind of as the game progressed, they felt – they as the game progressed, as we kept scoring, they felt the need to go take a shot deep got picked off right away. So they kind of forced the ball, forced yeah. the issue, and that was kind of their, their downfall in the game. Well, and like, you know, it's a it's a good defense overall, right? Yeah. We, we know Julien Preutz. I'm a big fan. David Brisson as well. Uh, he's, David Gaumont is a giant. You know. uh, that's Marc-André Gosselin that you're thinking of, the giant uh, on the team. Oh, yes. Marc-André yeah. Gosselin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so similar to what we were talking off air, like Seth Galina is a very good defensive uh, game planner. So is Julien Prou for uh, Sneaky Snakes. And uh, and it's actually, it was interesting, kind of an interesting tidbit. I faced him in a Division D uh, playoff game with threat level against threat level midnight. So he already got like kind of three looks at my offense. Mm -hmm. So he with a different set of uh, of players around and that's him. that's in, in a game they were successful at, right? Right, yes. In the regular season game, they, yeah. they were victorious, yes. Um, I'm but just saying, like, he... He had a, he already Success. had a successful game plan yes. against your your, your offense. Right? Yes, exactly. So um, he he does a great job of of coaching up his team. Uh, although, like I alluded to, it's not the same skill set of, of players. Um, and as it is in you know co-ed and the lower divisions of uh, of even the men's league, uh, defenses either really drop deep and when they're supposed to stay short or stay really short and 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 leave the intermediate open. So. Yeah. Yeah, we get it. You're good. Now let's talk about your opponent in this game here. Uh, uh, three Hannas versus Les Princesses. Uh, the three Hannas are going to be going to the finals against you by a one point victory. Um, overtime. Overtime on top yeah. of it too. Was anyone there to actually watch it, Alexi? Did you get any eyes on this game? Uh, no. Unfortunately, I was playing at the same time as this was happening. So you know nothing, Iggy. You know nothing. nothing. Uh, we, I caught the overtime period. So who's gonna make it up? Oh no, you got the overtime period. So describe the overtime period. Yeah. Okay. So what I saw from the well, like, do we want to start by describing what the overtime format is? Actually, just people who may not know. Yeah, uh, I barely know it, by the way. <laughs> oh, okay, great. So uh, there was another uh, one last night as well, Glory Boys and uh, and Dirty Dogs. So the format 
Anyway, that was a great game. Uh, the format is uh, extra point converts going for one or for two. Uh, and the way we used to set it up was that Team A uh, would go first, then Team B, then Team A, then Team B, then Team A, Team B, meaning three rounds uh, of extra points. Hockey shootout style, if we were to describe it. Yeah, that yep, way, right? exactly. Uh, going for one or for two. And then whoever has basically whoever has the most points at the end of the overtime per- uh, shootout period uh, wins. And it's uh, still tied, then we go sudden death one round at a time. Correct. Now the Which, o- in theory, always gave advantage to the second team. <laughs> Uh, yes, to the yeah. second team. Because they get to determine their fate based on whatever happened to the first team, essentially. Right. So now the newer format is what Mo Khan uh, loves to call the ABBA format of uh, of the shootout style. It's so he's it's, a dancing queen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he was at that wedding on a Wednesday, random Wednesday night one, so that fits. Uh, so it's Team A goes first, then Team B goes second and third. Team A then goes fourth and fifth. Uh, and, then and and team, team B goes sixth. Yeah, and team B goes sixth to to, to close it out. Uh, so that's the format. Uh, what I saw from the three Hunters uh, matchup against Le Princess is that Mick Arsenal was just lobbing it up, just lobbing it up for Emil Barthelemy, who had four touchdowns in the game. So maybe not not uh, the worst strategy, but it it was because the three Hunters uh, defense is. Uh, capable of batting and going up uh, for a jump ball. Uh, they, yeah. they just uh, they it's just swarmed. That, right? Yeah, so. they just swarmed the 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 one direction where the ball was going, and they were that was uh, honestly that was that was the essential like how it went down. Um, for the teams that advanced, Alexi, um, we see with Kiss My End Zone and their involvement of uh, Erica Dubois and um, and Lori Willette. And on the other side, we see Rekha Sivasaranyam um, and her involvement on, yes. in, in the 300 offense. Um, the two teams that lost are two teams that essentially I saw in the, in the game against Kiss My End Zone, uh, your opponents did not complete a pass to a female receiver mm-hmm. on offense. And then similarly at Les Princesses, uh, we see against Florence Leclerc having a target, Emmanuel Flynn having a target and a catch and it just makes the offense to me seem uh, too predictable, too easy to stop. Um, do you think that teams will start to realize they need to, they can't just use their female athletes as sort of token members. They need to actually involve them on the offense. So the unfortunate thing here is sneaky stakes. were one of the best teams in the regular season for using their female players. Receivers. They had Marie-Lou Coutinouel, who's an absolute fantastic player. Pease will call her one of the best rushers in FPF. I'll agree with that statement. She's also one of the best receivers in co-ed, too. She led the team of nearly 300 receiving yards, a ton of TDs, all that stuff. She wasn't there. It really, really sucks with this playoff format in the middle of the summer. Who never organized that? What what management? Anyways, um, so with the platform as it is, unfortunately, Matilu wasn't there. That's their number yeah. one receiver not present. This is a team that loves to pass the female players. They know the importance of it. I think it more came down to the lack of confidence in the existing female players since they've been forcing the ball so much to Marie-Lou all year. If Marie-Lou had been present, this would have been a completely different game. Yeah, obviously. But with Marie-Lou not there, it was like, it, it was a kill shot pretty much for Snakes. Um, as for Les Princesses, yeah, they haven't thrown to the girls all year and that sucks. Both because, come on, these people are paying you 200 bucks to play recreational flag football and you don't even throw them the ball like get a life dude. Um, number two, your offense just doesn't work. Yeah. Like, Please, imagine I telling you, you're playing offense four against six. What do you say? 
Um, you've seen the seasons where I played offense four against six. It doesn't look good. <laughs> it doesn't look good, right? Like when, it doesn't look good. I know a lot of Anyways. a lot of uh, players will run. A lot of quarterbacks will run more ISO concepts than let's say me or Iggy do. Where for us the the defense dictates where we throw the ball, but ISO offenses tend to focus on matchups. And yes, you might have great athletes that win matchups, but I just find it too limiting to not to to force the ball to a matchup you didn't win versus throwing to an open receiver. Fully agree. Yeah. Yeah. So just, I mean, yeah, I, I our offense is kind of just dic- the defenses and where the holes are in the defense kind of dictate where the ball goes. But sometimes, you know, my drags and slants and ten ins, there was a huge catch by Erica Dubois on fourth down. Yeah. She came up huge. Uh, fourth and 10 uh, from 11 yards out of the end zone. And she just come like, I just gave her a ball and she went up there, grabbed it 11 yard touchdown. And that really was deflating for uh, sneaky snakes. And it was, I really had, there was, you know what? There were two kill shots and they were both from America. Uh, the 11 yard touchdown on fourth down. And then a 31 yard touchdown right after the James Drysdale interception where they tried to go deep. So you're also talking about her interception. Oh yes, she also so, yes, she also had a key intercept. She she was she was mad. She was the game MVP. Uh, yeah. Once again, hopefully she uh, for at least hopefully for our team she could be the the game MVP in the finals as well. So let's. I'm gonna do something weird. Um, I'm gonna ask you. Um, I'm gonna ask you, Iggy, a question you can't really answer. Okay. And then I'm gonna put Alexi in a weird spot to uh, to give me information he doesn't have. So, um, for. Kiss my end zone to walk away with a with a championship. Yeah. What's your game plan? What are you gonna do? <laughs> how how are you guys gonna be? Th- I told you it's a question you can't answer. So yes. Do answer me though instead of not answering me. Do it. Don't be a coward. So the uh, the defense. If uh, if the the kiss my end zone defense can get two or three stops, uh, that should be enough. Uh, for the uh, for kiss my end zone to to uh, overcome the the three hundreds team, um, yeah, I'll go with a defensive prowess and defensive effort. Um, and so that wasn't an answer, but well disguised, well disguised. Thank you. And uh, Alexi, you're in the three hundreds meeting room today. Um, there, I don't know if you know this. They're a pro franchise. They have a, a meeting room. It's on a and it's on a, a high rise downtown Montreal. Um, yep. How are they discussing beating you guys on Sunday? So the number one thing they're preoccupied with is James Drisdale. If you look at the past games they've played, last time James had three interceptions on three consecutive offensive drives. So their number one thing I think they'll be concerned with is trying to find a way to take James out of the game defensively by avoiding him by avoid throwing the ball to him. That's what they likely do. I think that's a mistake. I think there are ways to game plan around James without avoiding throwing the ball towards him. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna give them away because James is a great guy, and I don't want to expose him like this on the podcast. But there are ways, so think it through. It's 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 out there. Um, other than that, offensively, I think they've played us a ton of times now. Two times this season, two times last season, seasons before that. So there are weaknesses in our defense. There, are, there is predictability to our defense. There are concepts which can consistently match our defense. So if you look at some patterns we've been using, thinking of the defenses I like to call against this 300 teams, there's specific kind of routes which can attack areas of the field, which we have a harder time defending. So if they can recall the defenses we like to ran, mm-hmm. run, it'd be relatively easy to game plan based off that. If you run trips against Kiss Man Zone, 
there's no adjustment. I will just say Possibly. that. And uh, it seems like the quarterback likes to run, so yeah. we'll see if that's a factor in the final. Yeah, so heading on to co-ed two. Um, co-ed one. Co-ed one. Co-ed one. Co-ed 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 already, we, were, we were just doing. Jesus Christ. Yeah, we all jumped on. We all swarmed no on No reason. No reason. I mean, you're wrong, so that's kind of a reason. <laughs> yeah, you're short. That's also a reason. Um, He's very pissy. I told you. I'm in, I'm in a <laughs> shit mood. Doing. Yeah, I know. Code one, <laughs> say something for Christ's sake. <laughs> That's my question. Go, Alexi. Do we want to look at the games that happened? Say something. Let's look at the games that happened. Let's start with that. We had Kill the Outlaws that beat Justice League 40 to 25. That's the game we're going with first. Let's start with that one. Thoughts? Question mark. Um, thoughts. That was a game that was interesting because just about most of these players had been playing all weekend in Ottawa. So Sarah was in Ottawa. I think quite a few of the girls, including on Justice League, were in Ottawa. Kevin was, I don't think, um, Pilon, Serge Pilon made it back in time for this game. So for starters, they was missing that. Long story short, the storyline to this game was Sarah Parker has an issue of tall rushers. Yeah. Joey Nataro started this game at rusher. I love Joey. He's won the Division C rusher, um, Defense Player of the, of the Year award. He's not an extremely tall rusher. He rushed the first fine. five plays. Sanders Armand then rushed one play. Parker lobbed the ball up in the middle, which made for one of the easier interceptions I've had in co-ed one. So that she struggled against Sanders to start the game as rusher, which led to a significant amount of lobbed up passes. Isaiah Lard, thank you very much, Isaiah. And special shout out to his two little girls who encouraged him to come to the game. So a huge shout out to the both of you who unfortunately names I don't know, but thanks for making Isaiah come. Isaiah then came and replaced Sanders at rusher who is an even lankier, taller frame and allowed us to drop Sanders into coverage, which was a relatively easy game plan. The one thing I think Justice League failed to exploit here was the Kevin and Dubai matchup. He was matched up against Kevin Donnett, which as great as a speedy player he is, Kevin Dubai can eat. Kevin can eat Kevin for dinner. And they threw one jump ball. And I went back to the sidelines. I remember looking at Steven, I remember looking at Steven going, if they start throwing that jump ball all day, we'll need to put Sanders on Kevin and overhaul our defense in a radical way. Eagle, I'm going to play the role of Mo here for a second. Uh, put it on the poll. Can Kevin eat Kevin for dinner? Um, I'd like to know. I'd like to know the results. Put it. Of that. Put it. Um, yeah, Sarah. Sarah has struggled about that uh, with the tall rushers. I've told her my personal solution for this, um, and she's a much better passer than I am. But the way I've managed to mitigate this, and you and I've talked about this too, Iggy, is. Uh, sort of having these design rollouts of two or three steps just to change the throwing window, uh, where Star really tends to stay in the middle of the pocket and it's a lot of timing releases. Uh, but timing releases with the tall, lanky rusher means you got to put it over the rusher, and that's when you get floating passes and all yeah. that. And while she doesn't roll out necessarily, she's actually very good, like like kind of like a, a Peyton Manning in the pocket and moving around up up and to the side, and yeah. like she does in her mechanics and then the Instagram yeah, but that's what, like like. I've I found a way with garbage mechanics to make that work for me. Yeah. With someone with great footwork like she does, yeah. that's something I think and if she really evolves that aspect of her game, she can become truly devastating. And it, and it worked for a, a couple plays. Like she, I think she even told Sanders, uh, "Hey, 
you you're supposed to be going for my flags like because he because he completely missed and may have hit her like accidentally um but she did utilize uh, and alexi tell me if you agree or not uh, i found she greatly utilized the short hooks for uh curly mccour uh in the game and uh it, it showed with uh with his speed uh ending the game with six receptions 95 yards two touchdowns what do you think yeah, I fully agree. She used the slots. What she underutilized was Chalavejo at center, who's a fantastic player. Me and Iggy both saw that playing against him in Division D. For him to finish a game with two receptions is criminally low. And all in all, that game, we weren't covering the snapper. So if you can get your arm angle around a rusher, just a one-step rollout, Vejo would have been open all game long. So I think you use sideline floods where, where that's your that's your your check down, right? So she ran a lot of sideline floods, and that's yeah. where a majority of those receptions to Curly and Peacock were happening was on sideline floods. Right, because that's what you do. Like if you have a tall rusher, you, attacking the middle is gonna be harder, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so the sideline floods make a lot of sense. Uh, yeah. But for uh, you know, kiss my outlaws, obviously advance. Uh, but we had a great game between the PC Fuck and Easy Fun. Um, by that I just mean high scoring. It wasn't as close as I thought it might be. Uh, but Samuel Pelsha through Alexi, you pointed out to me last night, Seal Levine is on this team and could have thrown, but yes. didn't. Misstep for Easy Fun? Um, This season smells like a lot of missteps for Easy Fun. But also, like, Jimmy's there. Like, he's there. Get to the finals. I've talked to a lot of people yeah. about this. Make it to the finals first, and then worry about your QB issues. Like it's not like like it's not like Samuel Persa is is bad. Like he's fine. Yeah. It's just Jeremy White's one of the best passers in all of FPF. The rationale I'd behind say it. Jeremy Sorry. White would be a top passer in Division Three. Yeah. And Siolaving would be better than Jeremy probably. They this was the third best quarterback on their roster playing a semifinal game. And I just don't understand that. The rationale behind it was to get as many reps as possible for do, him. I, no, no, no. I, do the right, do week nine or ten. I I understand, and I agree with you guys. Put your best quarterback, get to the final first, yeah. and then worry about it's, it. It's a pointless decision if you don't get there. Exactly, I agree. But that's the rationale behind it. Was we're gonna win and die with with as many reps as possible with the quarterback that could make it to the final. So this sets up the. Tenuous rematch between the Pitsy Fuck and Kiss My Outlaws. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dom LeFall, Stephen Harpersad, they have a history going back to MFL. They had um, an on field contentious moment this season. Um, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll start with you, Alexi. What can you give me in terms of 90 seconds of analysis as like a preview to your article that's to be coming out in a few days? The article that will be started to be written in maybe a few days. Yes, that's what I mean. Yeah. 90-second analysis. Is... <laughs> the 90-second analysis is it's not Harper against Lefal, it's Nataro against Lefal. Mm-hmm. So that'd be kissed by Outlaws Rusher. Last game, he played one of the best games I've ever seen from a rusher against Lipsy Fuck. Lefal ran twice for two touchdowns. Joey got real pissed and then decided Lefal wasn't going to run again, and the game was not over then. There was some late dramatic comebacks, but he neutralized the run threat, which is the scariest part about this Seafalk offense. If you can make it so that there's no longer a run threat coming from this offense, their passing game becomes average. And that's something you can exploit. So the number one takeaway here, Notaro versus Lefau. The um, the Joey Notaro told me earlier this season, as he played with us in Division C, um, 
unprompted, said, I'm the best rusher in FPF. You all just don't know it yet. I love Joey's confidence. So Yo. for me, it was the best thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Give me your 90 seconds of analysis, Iggy. That was a good sound bite for uh, for calling the audible. I just want to hear that like on repeat. Yeah. Hey, we'll, we'll, hopefully, uh, Chris Reveal drop it in a future game of the week. Yeah. So uh, I, I think the best part is going to be if we can make it sound like P said that about himself. Oh, I, I can say anything you want about myself. <laughs> uh, so yeah. So uh, my ninety seconds of heat uh, throwback to uh, Simon. Yeah. Uh, is that this is going to be a very high scoring game? The last time these two teams met, it was a 41 to 40, like you said, contentious kind of uh, game and moments during the game. Um, uh, yeah, just very high scoring. Uh, a lot of great plays are going to be made. There's going to be, I think, whoever can get w uh, one and maybe two interceptions, that will uh, will be the team that wins the championship in Cohen one. Here we go. I told C this is a one-stop game. Yeah, I I can see that happening as well. Yeah. I can see that happening. Yeah. I can also see a reality though, if Dom Lafal really can't run, um, it might be a game that gets ugly quickly, because I don't see Dom Lafal able to come from behind uh, the same way. Like if he falls behind, I don't think he'll, he'll go score per score with Harper's out, in my opinion. Right. Um, in the women's division, um, Alexi, since since we have you and you you were writing the women's article as well, um. So, strangers advance. Oh, sorry, not strangers. Villa, Villa advances, right? That after winning one game all season long, after scoring eighty six points, um, little surprising question mark. Are we getting into the controversy of this game or no? Yeah, absolutely. That yeah, was the, that, was, that was that was the, the question. Because here's the thing: if you don't draw attention to it, it'll happen again in the future. So hopefully, uh, people have shame and don't continue to cheat if that's what happens. Well, Please, let's, let, let's start first off by saying what do you that... Mean? What do you mean first off? I, Pease, I did the first off. weren't you the one that told all the captains when they submit the roster to put their entire roster on the sheet and yeah. then force the scorekeepers to do their job? Yeah, I also said... I'm also the one who said, scorekeepers, do your job. Yes. So... One of those statements was followed. The other one wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, give us your analysis. This smells real fishy. This smells... Like, really stinky. This smells like, imagine you left your garbage with a salmon in it and went on vacation for Europe's two weeks where you drank way too much wine. Wait. And then you came back. House? Were you at my house for two weeks? How did you know? <laughs> so this smelled like Pisa's house when he came back. Oh, I lost. Um, look, I have no clue. If this Villa roster pulled off this upset, I'm tremendously impressed. This would be the best game Gabby... Opediziano has played all season. That being said, just to give you an idea, I from off the top of my head, Gabby had thrown five TDs all year, yeah. which means she threw – she was averaging half a TD a game, which means she'd throw six times more TDs in this game than she did on average all season. No, it's an eight-game season. Revise my math. Let's say five times more. It would be the most impressive improvement. per game, by the way. Five over eight. It's not hard. Yeah. Thank you, Eagle. This is why Eagle's a smart one here. Um, this Leipzig Miet team is also extremely good. That being said, they should be scoring more than 12 points no matter who their opponents are. They can do significantly better than this. Well, I was going to say, like, what are your thoughts for Morgan Cosmano-Valois to have this kind of outing in a playoff game? Regardless of who Villa is playing a quarterback, this seems sort of uh, disappointing, right? 
But I don't think the controversy at Villa was just their quarterback. If you see what they're saying, it's just about the entire Villa roster. So Villa would likely manned up with five superior athletes shadow across the coverage. board. Huh? Shadow, shadow coverage. Yeah, we essentially. Like use, we don't like to use man coverage Gender, covering women's sports. Gender so neutral Come on. terms here. Sounds good. Right? There's a lot of issues with my articles. Anyways, <laughs> um, if that was the case, I understand why Morgan had a rougher game because that's not what she's used to seeing in the least. This game is a really hard one to analyze because I don't know what I'm analyzing. Like, if Gabby pulled off this, it'd be the most impressive QB transformation we'd seen I've ever seen in FPF. Look, I am 100% sure Kaya did catch 12 passes because Kaya is an absolute stud of an athlete. It also might be Kia. I'm really sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name. I, There's I, two financial pronunciations there. Kia. And Kia, there we go. Tara's corrected me multiple times. That's a fantastic stat line. And it was obviously Kia who had a stellar game because she's a stellar athlete across the board. I can't just, let someone score four touchdowns on you, though. That's No, you can't. But that means that I, I find believe there's not a single person in the women's division as it stands who could take away Kia. She's the best player there Fair. by a wide margin. So final question for Iggy here for this game. Um, if uh, Gabby was the quarterback, should the Dolphins hire, the Miami Dolphins hire uh, Gino DeFazio to coach Tua this season to have him have such an improvement in his game? Uh, I'm going to say no okay. because you got to make the playoffs first for to, for the actual performance improvement to be seen. Oh, you're right. So you need to make the playoffs before the season and hire a good coach. Makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Got it. I'm going to say yes because <laughs> Gino would make two a quit football and they'd finally hire a decent, and then finally find a decent quarterback. I like it. I like I like, I like Alexi's <laughs> analysis here. Uh, Red Nation advance. They beat strangers. Um. That one is less surprising, right? Like, we, we expect the Nation to be sort of the class of this division. Um, despite Allison Sobel's struggles, it's a team that gets by largely on the defense. Um, Allison Sobel threw three interceptions. This was what strangers needed to be able to compete in this game. Instead, um, we see their defense really just strangle strangers. Alexi. Yeah, um, sorry, this is the first time I'm seeing this stat line. I'm clearly not doing a very good job of covering my divisions. I've been a wee bit busy, my excuses. Um, that being said, these two teams have been kind of tracking in opposite directions over the past few months. Red Nation's been doing fantastic as the season is coming to a close. Strangers have seemingly beginning to know each other less and less, which is really weird to save a team that didn't know each other at all at the start of the season, but their chemistry has gotten worse. Um, yeah. Look, the really weird thing is Lucky Wallet had more receptions in this playoff game than she had all season, I'm relatively sure. They finally decided to start utilizing her. It was just a little bit too late. In terms of Allison Sobel's play, this is kind of what you've gotten for her. The reason you see three interceptions, by the way, is because fourth down in the women's division is often fourth and extremely long, which leads to quarterbacks chucking it up, right? Because you're going for fourth and 20. You're going to chuck it up, and if you're intercepted in your end zone, it doesn't matter. Anyway, so that's the logic there. I understand it's a higher interception division. The stat that matters in women's division is those four TDs. The 184 yards, that's a fantastic passing game. I don't think it's a bad game from Allison. And I think if Allison plays the same way in the finals, they'll win. I, well, I think the narrative is so wrong. Good. We need to be a, hmm? I, I always say that you guys score five touchdowns to win an FPF, right? Now, women's division is a little bit different because of the, the, the rules, but also the defense of Red Nation is good enough yeah. that if Allison puts up four touchdowns, they'll win more often than not. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You have Rachel Valier, who's like the surest thing you've ever had to an interception a game. That's one right there. Probably two. Probably two. 
So. And uh, and I, I'm a big fan of uh, Gigi Abante. Um, both sides of the ball. Yeah. Sorry? How can you not be? Yeah, she's great. Yeah. She's great. Um, so they're going to be heading out. So give me your 90 seconds of heat, um, Alexi, for the final game between Red Nation and Villa. I'll, uh, Did you say I'll Iggy or Alexi? I'll do I it. Said, I started saying Iggy and I changed to Alexi. I slept 45 minutes last night, so I'm I'm sorry. I'm not I'm not on my game tonight. And I I, I have to apologize because I I kept you up for at least one of those hours. Yeah, that's true. It was sexual. Um, Alexi, what's your 90 seconds of heat uh, for this game here? So, so I presume I'll go. You guys cut out for a second. All I know is that yes, I got text from three. I mean, I was very confused. Um, poor Pizzi, he didn't sleep. Someone sent him some melatonin. The shit helps. So long story short, we have Villa against Red Nation. The very first thing you do is hire a bouncer who's going to card the Villa team. That's my first step here. Got it. Step one, once your bouncer's hired, it all depends which team shows up. If the Villa team we've seen all season is a team playing in the finals, then honestly you're looking at a game where they'll probably have a good defense, just something we've seen from Villa. And I have no issues if um, Allison throws three to four picks, but they just need to throw more TDs than the other team. And I don't have confidence in the Villa roster we saw all season throwing anything more than three TDs. If she throws four TDs and three INTs again, as I said, that's game over. It's a four TD to win. It's a race to four. Before I ask Giggy for his 90 seconds of heat, Eagle, were you trying to comb Alexi's hair with the mouse? Uh, no, no. So, <laughs> so production note on this one, I actually have multiple window captures going okay. on, but it picks up on the mouse. So I'm actually moving on the website, but because Alexi's face is technically behind the website, but you see it, you see my mouth moving in front of it, it, it which looks is like you're hilarious, by the way. <laughs> um, Iggy, give me your 90 seconds of heat. Yeah, so I like, uh, and how could you not, Red Nation. Oh, I can remove mouse cursor. Okay, it's gone now. Okay, this won't happen anymore, but that's funny. <laughs> God, that was funny. Production note. Uh, I like Red Nation in this one. I like them coming off their uh, winter season uh, appearance in the finals, coming off a loss off, off of it against the Bourget Volts. Uh, I like uh, Allison Sobel's confidence as it grew on uh, throughout the season. No one can stop. Uh, Geraldine, uh, Cabillo Abante, Gigi. Uh, however, on the other side, Kia, uh, I think that uh, Rachel Valier, uh playing shadow, uh, tough shadow coverage, along with uh, Jenna Rujo really putting a lot of pressure on whichever Villa quarterback suits up. Uh, these, these, these are the key aspects to a Red Nation victory. When I saw Kia, she was playing snapper, so if that's still the case, I'd recommend... The rushers sort of try to take away the angle and the quick outs, um, and if if Je- if Arujo can do that, uh, that'll be a long day for for Villa, I believe. Alexi, thank you for joining us. Uh, we'll we'll get your picks in your article. Sounds good. Ciao. Thank awesome. You. Eagle, throw a division at us. All right, we're gonna go. Unfortunately, Joel isn't going to be joining us. He has right. a uh, a family commitment, a dinner, uh, an excuse, um, and so he's only gonna be able to join us at nine thirty. Of which, peas, you will not be here. So we're just gonna go into yeah. Division E and break that down. We had two. There's a chance Mo finishes the show. By the way, if we, if we run too long, yeah. um, which game do you think is more interesting? Because I think the Praetorian Guard Black Label game was probably a better. game game but the lpc vic in a box game is more surprising as a result which is it though 
Well, you tell me. So let's. I guess we'll start. I guess with we'll that do one. that one then. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So uh, Pizzicata twenty four, uh, Vigna box seven. Uh, Pizzicata are off to uh, to the finals. So why is this uh, necessarily surprising? I think Vigna box had one of the better offenses in yeah. Division E. The seven is surprising. Ex- exactly. Yeah. Now. The Petskara defense, although it hasn't been particularly known uh, for their defense, they've been known more as an offensive team. Uh, I mean, they did have Defensive Player of the Year, Xavier Bro, uh, win that uh, that accolade. So they do have a, a, a certain defensive prowess to their name. Uh, and it really, really showed in this one. It looks like Nick Richard uh, was unable to complete a lot of his passes, a lot of passes that were perhaps overthrown. It, what, are you going with my soft analysis here? Again? No, 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 no. Uh, I was saying he did throw, he did potentially overthrow a ball. It, it potentially was out of bounds. But Eagle, if you bring up Chris Rivez's uh, Instagram feed, oh, we'll see if Craig game. Browning... Wrong game. It wasn't that game? No. That no. was a uh, game of the week. Uh, the Penetrators uh, versus Vic in a Box. I uh, just saw I saw Craig, and I thought it was from last night's no, game. No, it, it, was, it was not. Yeah. Sorry. It, it was a bad call that he was yeah. in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I thought he was in. Oh, yeah, I thought he was in. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw the refs go, no. Yeah, it looked like he was in. Uh, so, yeah, three interceptions, uh, and his rushing ability was, you want to say taken uh, away? Was he in, though, Peace? Was he in? Was he in? Look at that. I, I need the. Yes. Mm, when it comes, he like brings his feet back. He's really athletic. Brings his feet back after going out of bounds. Anyways. I don't think so. Uh, I think he's in the air when, that ha- when that's happening. It's possible. Um. So, yeah. So, the Pitskara, knowing that Max Bura, Craig Browning are the top two guys. Although, <laughs> Max Bura went 7 for 12 in receptions and targets. Craig Browning, 6 for 11. Um. They've it's not a high efficiency offense, right? Yes. Like they take a lot of shots uh, to the two ridiculous athletes in Craig yeah. Browning and Max Pira. Um, I thought, as much as I like the team a lot, I like them as dudes. First of all, they're really yeah. nice folks, yeah. but they're really talented also. I did mm-hmm. feel as though they're missing one, like a third receiver. You know what I mean? Like a a, a third threat to really propel that offense. Uh, Nicholas Sancho was... was Pretty good at, at that. Even Cody Bura, the other, the yeah, other, it, he's not the same level of athlete though. As <laughs> to be fair, not a lot of people no are. No is, but yeah. But, but uh, if you haven't seen Vic in the Box and Cody Bura, he's he is a serviceable third yeah. third receiver on yeah. the team. It just no, no, he's good. You know, some teams have three guys. It's like what do we, like what do we do here, right? Because like yeah. I find when there's two two receivers, either you have them on, on one side of the field, or even if you split them apart, you can put your two best defenders. In the in those areas and right. handle it. But when you have three, it's really stretching your defense. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't feel Vic and Box had that personally. Did you have anything else to say <laughs> well, about Vic and Box? Uh, I thought well, he gave very concise analysis. Yeah, yeah no, 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 you did, you did. <laughs> but now switching it over to Pitskera. Yeah, the, uh, look, they. I was a little uh, slow to them because I, d- I didn't get a chance to see them early in the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I did, I agree their their defense is great and and for a relatively new team. Um, yeah, pretty much all new players. Yeah, maybe other than Xavier. But they had to play flag somewhere else. Yes, for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. and I believe they're Cavaliers uh, from Mocon's. Uh, yeah, but so like the tackle thing never impresses me because right. lots of tackle teams come in and sure, are not sure, good. Sure, 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 sure. Um, flag is a different game. Mm-hmm. It, 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 yes, the skills translate, mm-hmm. but we we say we see it all the time. That there are dominant tackle players from university who are good in FPF, but not. Not what PC Canada have been as a team, as a whole, in terms of communication, in terms of executing flag defenses. 
I was very, very impressed. They they looked like a Division three type defense <laughs> at times. You know what well, I mean? I think you just proc- you made an eagle proclamation with his uh, save a horse Division Maybe. three. I was just you know what it was is <laughs> is the, the athleticism. The athleticism is there, and yes. the communication. You don't see good communication on defenses in low divisions usually. So you're praising the communication uh, on defense uh, aspect, and I'll take it to the quarterback position mm-hmm. because uh, one of the players that has played is Jason Rays, and yeah. and it shows. It shows that he knows the concepts of flag, and he he's shown that really throughout the season. Although 35 touchdowns in a in a full nine games is all right, solid. It's all right, yeah. Well, again, but, if you have that defense, though, yes, it's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. Uh, but more impressive, the seven interceptions. So he kept the turnovers to a minimum, uh, always giving his chance, uh, his team a chance to win games. And look at that. They've uh, they made it all the way to the finals division. Yeah. Praetorian Guard, um, they beat Black Label 41-24. Medric uh, Lozon, um, he's a dude who I knew nothing about. He subbed for me in one game, and in just the in the conversations I had, mm-hmm. I was like, dude, if I ever have a spot on my team at any position, you're in. The dude knows the yeah. game. Yeah. And um, he's a decent thrower of the ball, but it's it's to him, it's the knowledge. And he's a much better athlete than you first oh, see. Yeah. We saw it in the oh. game of the week when he was yeah. playing with Peerless Guard, him yeah. going up to defend a ball where the quarterback was like, oh, this is an easy completion over his head. Nope, defended it. Um, yeah. Great player to have on both sides of the ball. And they have a lot of those guys from that Pierre Scar team that's also made the finals. Um, Jared Buck, Benjamin Bork, Michael Timmons, Brendan Sabloff. Brendan Sabloff is one of my favorite flat defenders mm-hmm. in FPF. Um, so, yeah. So, I'm, I'm, I'm really high on them. They were the class of division for most of the season. Um, but going to Black Label, was this sort of a foregone conclusion? Was it just the writing on the wall, bad matchup, not going to be able to keep pace? Pretty much, yeah. yes. So not only that, but the strengths of Black Label was uh, Fred Juno's arm and his legs, and both things were taken away. You have Ben Bork, one of the best, one of the best rushers in Division D. Yeah. Uh, I believe had like seventeen sacks uh, in Division D. He was able to contain the Fred Juno running ability, and players like Jared Buck and even I believe um, Caleb Wilms. Him on uh, covering the deeps, they they cover it super well in Division D. It's no surprise that they were able to somewhat shut down the Black Label uh, offense, at least enough to for, to let forty one points be uh, be the difference maker. Because yeah. yeah, otherwise otherwise the yeah uh, the Black Label offense, like I mentioned, is is a bit reliant on the deep ball. Um, they do have uh, look great se- great first season for for Black Label. I mean. To go to get all the way to the semifinals in FPF is is a daunting task, and they they lived up to it. It's a great first season. It's gr- like I see a, a lot of potential for this team. Uh, not only maybe next year in uh, Division Six, but moving forward, you know, moving up the ranks uh, as many teams do. So, the experience of Praetorian Guard, yeah, the um, depth that they have, the upper division experience that they, a lot of them have, having played Division Five, Division D before. Um, and being successful in those divisions, mm-hmm. um, as well as the very high efficiency, competent offensive system that they run, um, pa- paired against the athleticism of Le Petit Carat, paired against the um, panache, yeah, like just the natural athleticism and mm. and the knowledge they have, not from FPF but from again we 
Like we some said, flag. Some <laughs> flag somewhere. <laughs> yeah. um, on the surface, who do you think has the advantage going into this game? So I see the final matchup kind of similar to the semifinal for Praetoria Guard against Black Label. Black Label's quite similar to Le Pizzicarat. In, uh, in terms of having a running quarterback, in terms of having one that can throw the deep ball to uh, very tall and then rangy receivers. So I'm giving the edge to Praetorian Guard. I love their knowledge of the game, their experience, their efficiency. It's it's a very similar offense to RSPs. So yeah. just to give you an idea of, 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 of that attack. When I say I like it, uh, uh, somebody's offense, it's I'm basically similar. patting myself on the back. Yeah. Saying, yeah, they run a good offense because it's like mine. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so... I give the edge to uh, to PG here, yeah. Praetorian Guard. Um, last time these two teams played, Praetorian Guard won 31-26 with PC Carrot. Uh, close game, but mm-hmm. uh, the difference being Jason Reyes threw two interceptions. And for uh, Praetorian Guard, Benjamin Bork had seven catches, 69 yards, and a touchdown. That's a, that's a big game. Again, his speed is uh, is impressive. Um, he's a guy who you're going to give them, give him the ball in space and let him do damage. Um, what is more important for Le Pizzicato to, to see success in the finals? Is it Jason Reyes to avoid mistakes or is it to find a way to contain the speed of guys like Benjamin Bork on the Praetorian guard? I'll pull a classic P's. Yes. Right. Um, no, both but... <laughs> do you, do you can do both things because they're yes. on opposite sides of the ball. Y- yes, exactly. Both things can be true. Uh, but more, I guess I, I guess I would say, of more importance is Jason Ray's uh, ensuring that he protects the football. Uh, Praetorian Guard is not a team that turns the ball over much themselves. I believe Medellin Lozon had only two interceptions all season in Division mm-hmm. E. So... Turning the ball over once may be a, a death sentence for uh, for Lipitz Gadot. Yeah, it's uh, look, they might be able to get an interception from Medic, but I, I can't see them getting multiple interceptions. Yes, and then you're you know you go you have to go score for score, deal with converts and all that stuff. So definitely avoiding um, avoiding mistakes would be huge. If the Praetorian Guard win a championship, who do you think comes out as their unsung hero for the game? Not the guy's going to win the MVP, but who's going to have key plays? Uh, and help propel them, who's not going to be the focus the entire game. So I'd say the focus and the names that are that are always uh, mentioned are Jason Reyes and Xavier Biro. But I'm as saying Praetorian Guard, but sure, give me both teams. Oh, okay, yes, sorry. I, I'm, I, okay. we'll, I, we'll end on this. I did not listen to you. I just sorry. I sorry. went with my own thing in my head. Uh, but the, per, the person who's had an exceptional playoffs uh, is Laurent Beauchamp. He had in his two playoff games, uh, listen to this, five receptions, 131 yards, two TDs. Five receptions, 120 yards, two TDs. Yeah. So 250 yards in two games, uh, four touchdowns. He's been uh, the playoff MVP so far, so he'd have to be the uh, the one for PG and for I and for Praetorian. Uh, sorry, for Le yeah. Pizzicarat. Yeah, listen you, to yourself. You mix, yeah, you, <laughs> you mix me up for Le Pizzicarat. For Praetorian, I mixed you up because you were listening to me. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, and for Praetorian guard, I think you nailed it on the head. I think we have. A uh, a new MVP in the lower ranks of the divisions that's moving up, and that's Benjamin Bork. Yeah. Uh, he's becoming the new two-way player of the year. Uh, that that's just his ability to take away a mobile QB and offenses game plans and shut them down, as well as 
put up 60, 70 yards with one or two TDs uh, with his break, game-breaking speed, I think Benjamin Bork is, uh, is, is, is someone to look for for Praetorian Guard. Stay tuned to the end of the show. We'll, we'll make our picks, but mm-hmm. not Iggy for this division because you'll have to read his article. It's, your, oh, no, wait, it's no, not it's my division. This is Joel's division. But he's 40. going to make yeah. his picks in his article yes. for Division E as well. <laughs> sure. Yeah, why not? Um, Eagle, pick a division. We're going to go Division D. Oh, we're doing the Mo thing and doing them in order because they're in order that way. Yes, correct. All right, got it. Uh, we're going to start with, well, which one? Killer Rays, Peerless Scarred, or Dirty Dogs, Glory Boys? You're going to start with the boring game or the fun game? <laughs> uh, because we talked about Peerless Scarred uh, slash Patriot Yeah, we'll take guard. a break from them for a second. Yeah, exactly. The same guys. And we'll, uh, we'll go to the, uh, the thrilling and eccentric and uh, just uh, what a game it was last night. Uh, yeah. Glory Boys uh, versus Dirty Dogs. It was, it was filled with everything. You had two score comebacks from Dirty Dogs. You had uh, late game interceptions with under five plays remaining. You had Glory Boys down six points, uh, scoring with a minute left in the game. You had over the game going to overtime. It was just it was crash and bang. It was very physical. Only two refs on the field, not three with like the usual playoff format. So there was a lot of hooking and holding going on yeah. near the line of scrimmage. Uh, teams getting away with it a, a bit. And, and that's, that's Usually the difference in the playoffs is yeah. that that doesn't get called in the regular season and it gets called in the playoffs. Yeah. And and you know what? And, and on both sides of the ball, you know, both teams very aggressive, both wanting the win, both really wanting to go to the uh, the finals. Um, yeah, it was it was an absolute barn burner in this one. Uh, Dirty Dogs, of course, going uh, getting the 2-1 victory uh, in overtime. Yeah. When I arrived, I was going to make my way over to you to tell you to go F yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was stopped by Wes Antaye of Vic in a Box, yep. who's going to play next. And he says, hey, they're in overtime here. Yeah. So I stopped and I watched the overtime period. Um, it was a great throw uh, to end it by uh, Jeremy Augustin, yep. uh, where he bought time, rolled to his right. And um, Jeremy Augustin is not known as a guy who throws it hard, but he fired that ball in. Oh, yeah. And it was just, well, it's, it's how you want a playoff football game to end. Um, so it was it was really cool to watch. I was impressed by Glory Boys. They their four game winning when I left for Europe, they hadn't <laughs> yeah. won in a month. Right. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. and then and their season was over in like week six. It was the strangest yeah, thing. Yeah. Um and I was like, there's no way these guys will be ready for playoffs because man, you go on a skid that way and then you don't play for two or three weeks and then you have to play in playoff games and I just didn't see it working out for them, but you know, kudos to them. They they hung in there and um Michael Hiotis's raw skills continue to impress me. I think he needs to develop a more efficient system, uh, but one that fits his skill set. Because um, he's not a gear piece. Like he's he's got a yeah. great arm. He's got great. He's got great speed. He's got an incredible ability to throw and run. Yep. Um, and so if they can do that and then just build in some concepts that are effective in that FF, I think Glory Boys have a bright future. Um, I've been a fan of Massimo Moniz and uh, Antonio Vettorino since they started in the in FPF. Um, I thought Lucas Cravello would be able to surprise um, Dirty Dogs, and he has a penchant for just making big plays. Like mm-hmm. Not that he's going to have a ton of catches, but he, he'll have that game-breaking catch. I thought this was going to be the game where we see that, and unfortunately that wasn't the case uh, for Glory Boys in this game. Yeah, more so uh, for Dirty Dogs, it was Felix uh, Boutet. 
so one of the uh, newer players in FPF for, for Dirty Dogs. He uh, took a five-yard hook uh, all the way for a 40-yard touchdown. The guy has game-breaking speed, yeah. uh, game-breaking ability, and, and just overall sheer athleticism that you can see that's similar to like a Jeremy White slash Charles Vero type. Uh, so he was one of the uh, the key components in their victory. And don't don't discount Eric uh, Deschambeau. He had some very big first down catches, came up with a huge interception to uh, to let Dirty Dogs back into this game after being down two scores. Yeah. Um, Killer Rays and Peerless Guard. Um, I wasn't there for this game. I got updates uh, from you. I have a question. You didn't answer me in a text. Oh. Um, I want to do this thing where we have all, we have pre-show meetings, but during the show. Right. So you answered my text. I asked if uh, Killer Rays were playing that box defense again, where they have the safeties lined up behind the corners, like they did. In the no, finals. I I didn't necessarily focus on on that. Okay. Because um, I thought that was going to be a mistake against uh, Jared Buck. He's too smart a quarterback to yeah. show your coverage. I don't I don't believe so. No. Uh, but really, what uh, or how this game went down was three times uh within the first six minutes of the game uh killer rays four fourth down fourth and three fourth and five fourth and six on three occasions were unable to come up with the first down and driving a short field uh jared buck just they were so not only scored uh touchdowns and it was like 26 to 0 by by halftime or so uh but there was in particular there was a game-changing play i believe the score was either 19 to 0 they were they were up like three touchdowns uh it was a fourth down play after killer rays had gotten two consecutive sacks and uh and peerless guard decided to go for it on fourth down uh and this is where the killer ray inexperience came into into effect so it was fourth and goal from about 18 or 19 yards out it's Jared Buck with Medrick Lazon in the offense. What do you think is happening on a fourth down play? It's, it's going to med. It, well, it's going to a double quarterback. Double quarterback, yeah. Uh, or that, that should be on the option. And it was yeah. never, I never heard that from the defense. And so it was just a, a pass it, back to Lazon, a pass back to Jared Buck, who then there was no second rusher. Yeah. So he had all the time. And Jared Buck, with his no look, patented no look Jared uh, Buck pass, uh, was able to get a touchdown on fourth down on 19 yards out. Essentially, there's two ways to cover a second quarterback. They're both kind of the same. One is you send a second rusher and you go into 2-2, uh, or you stay in man if you call man and you still send a second rusher. But you, the the person covering that second quarterback has to take out. Even if he's your slowest guy, you need to put somebody on that second quarterback, yeah. and the rusher needs to sit on the actual quarterback, yes. on the main quarterback. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, if you don't know how to defend it, it's uh, an easy completion. Yeah. So while on the defensive side, the there's still some experience for Killer Rays uh, to work on. Uh, they knew right away, you know, as even as the half was ending, the first half was ending. Yeah. They were in hurry up offense, so it was good. It's refreshing to see that when yeah. when you're down four scores and it's already near the end of the half and teams are just slow, doing a slow normal huddle. I'm like, you, you guys are you're you're losing yourself the game. And dirty and uh, sorry, not dirty dogs. Killer Rays uh, at least knew that they were going in a hurry up offense. They Tried to get back into the game, but too much, uh, too much damage was done in the first eight minutes of this game. I spoke to Tyler Gerberg after the game. He said that they were completely outplayed. Um, yeah. There was an aspect of Danny Demore lurking on defense, just being constantly looking and taking away angles on yeah. deep routes. Yeah. That took that aspect from from Tyler Bianchi's game. Tyler likes to go downfield. Uh, it it kind of um, he was aware of it at least, but. 
there was not uh, another layer of adjustment. Mm. And I think that's... Killer Rays have been amazing yep. since they started. I, I, they're one of my favorite teams from the first time I saw them in their first season. Mm. And now um, they're, they've, they've accomplished great things already. But Peerless Guard are a much more experienced team. And they're, it, that's the difference. They're where Peerless Guard was two or three years ago. Yeah. So it's only it, it sucks. It sucks losing a semifinal game and then show it, you know, after a finals appearance. And even and a at final that, Pure Discard, like those guys all played MFL before. Yes, that too. So. That as well. Uh, but that's, you know, the proverbial, oh, you're going to love this. It Before you win, you know, you got it. Before you, learning how to win, you got to learn, you know. Um, or you can just win. Yeah, but which Killer Rays did. Yeah. But as you move up in this league, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna take lumps. That, that's it, and and that's how you learn, and that's how you get that's how you get better. One of the bigger jumps too is sort of from Division Six and E to D and and five, and it's one, yeah. and it's uh, you know, kudos to them for a great regular season. But yep. give me your ninety seconds of heat on the final game between Peerless Guard and uh, Dirty Dogs. Yeah, that's that's gonna be a, that's gonna be fun. a yeah, that's gonna be a very very fun game, uh, but. It's really hard to go against Peerless Guard. It's just like we mentioned it, a uh, kind of for Praetorian Guard. It's just that next level uh, of experience. And while Dirty Dogs have it in Jeremy Augustine, uh, Jean-Nicolas Branco, Charles Vero, that's where it, it, it gets limited to those three players, whereas it's spread out across the entire roster yeah. on Peerless Guard. And I think that makes uh, the difference. Well, we'll see if uh, you pick them, though. Uh, you kind of tipped your hand there, but we'll see at the end of the we'll show if you pick them. Uh, or in your article as well. In my Division C article, yeah. sure, yeah. You will throw a division at us. Uh, we don't really have to cover Division C, right? Oh, Nothing great. important That would make me very one. happy, actually. Nothing happened in Division C. That would make me very, very happy. Except something about jewelry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not having that argument with you again. The most pointless conversation <laughs> in three hours. <laughs> I was so mad. Yeah. Let's do this game first. Anything oh my you want to take away from this Gross. other than vultures can't play defense? Yeah, that's literally... It's that. It was that. Uh, there, there's things you can do against the... Vul vultures defense, it's not even a personnel thing because the players are good. Yeah. But there are certain things that some of the players do that uh, can be taken advantage of. Um, I think the size mismatch for Kevin Donnett was tough. Um he did start rushing at one point because I guess they, they realized he's probably better served in that capacity as a rusher. Um, then, and Corey Woloski, when Corey Woloski's on, man, Oof. Um, he's basically unstoppable. Yeah. Oh, and he was in this game. Yeah. Oh. And it's like, like yes, we saw some ridiculous catches by, by Rory and Sean Samurgeon. Uh We saw um, Dylan Daou make some very tough like he was bodying yeah. whoever was in the middle of the field whether it was Phil Roberts Kevin Donnett just basically boxing out yep. and making the catch but honestly Koyoski could have been thrown into shopping carts all the game like the guys were just wide open and he's just dropping it right in their hands right in the basket and it, yeah. Corey didn't even look he didn't even look like he was awake he looked yeah he, he yeah, looked half asleep yeah. and just <laughs> dropping dimes the entire yeah, oh game man. he looked you, bored he Almost. Bored by his own excellence. Almost. Yeah. Weirdly and strangely enough. Yeah. yeah he's like his whole team was hyped and yeah. he was just chilling, was relaxed. Yeah. But that's the type. Yeah. Isn't that the type of quarterback you need with the, the set of receivers Absolutely. like this? It's, but it, yeah. we haven't really seen it from them all season. Right? Infantry's kind of been good, but something's been off. And this is what we expected oh, from infantry. Oh, my God. This yeah. is what they were supposed to be all season long. Yeah. And like it looked like... Um, 
Koyloski had a, like a margarita in one hand and throwing completions with the other. It was like playing beach football. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. That, that, and that's, and like once, once they fell behind, Ben McMahon has a tendency to go into hero mode. Um, and he kind of did sort of the middle section of the game where uh, at one point I turned to, to my guys and mm-hmm. I said, you know, if they score here and get a stop, yeah. they didn't score. They didn't get a stop. Yeah. And I was like, oh, well, that, that's the game. And again, kind of going back to uh, the Division E uh, or D content where we were just talking about with um, Killer Rays and knowing to go in a hurry up offense, I'm seeing McMahon sort of going in, but everyone's huddling and they're not going right yeah. off onto the line. I'm and, like, he, and they started... You got to know you're down two or three scores. And they play at such a fast pace normally. Yeah. And like, so they started playing at a fast pace yeah. and, and that kind of inflates the score too because yes, yes, you yes. know that when you're playing fast pace, if things don't go well, the game score looks bad at the end, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, infantry, kudos to them. I'm excited to see them in the finals. Oh yeah, they're going to ball out. Like yeah. just because it was the yeah. greatest catch um, of, of the night, Rory submerged, Sean submerged. Sean, yeah. One-handed, two extra point. I didn't think he was going to be able to get like Landon Valens and he did. And he did. Very clearly. Unbelievable catch. Yeah. Um, and that's it. So they play. Uh, they play against Stoics, and uh, we'll go on to the. <laughs> do we want to do the forty-five second version of this? Uh, you know, piece. I'll do it on your behalf. Yeah. The one thing you're good at, which is managing the clock and managing possessions, is the one thing you didn't do in this game, yeah. and that costed you a championship trip. Sorry. Yeah. I. Uh, I absolutely failed my teammates. That's the analysis of this game. We. They deserve to punch a ticket to the finals. I did not, and I held everyone back, and I am heartbroken. So wouldn't you also agree that when it was third or fourth down and the Stoics needed... Jesus Christ, you know the fucking jewelry question again. I'm going to put you in the face. No, it's not. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I said when it's either you, third or fourth a, down. As he started, I was like, third or fourth down. I'm like, he knows it's fourth down. Why is he doing yeah, this yeah, fucking build-up? He's going there, too. <laughs> I'm setting it up. No, no, no. So when it was when it came to third or fourth down, uh, Chris Rive had one target in mind and running whether it was double we moves, knew it too. double outs. We knew it too. Vincent Chung was on fire. He was getting key first downs that kept drives alive and that essentially iced the game in the end for the Stoics. Yeah, I have nothing but positive things to say about the way Chris Rive played. He was actually he he like he's a gamer like in the playoffs he's better he's yep. just better he and it's nothing spectacular it's not the way Corey Bowaski is but yeah. it just when he needs to make a throw to keep a yes. drive alive he he does it um, the, the team is well built um, I had something in mind to take advantage of what I knew Seth Galina was going to do on defense they did it and I made a horrendous mistake that Chris Rive didn't make because he's a gamer and Stoics advance the finals and they deserve it. I, I think, yeah, I think that, and uh, I think you'd agree, but Mickey Menza with his two, with the two interceptions uh, was, was one of the differences yeah, as well. But his yes. just, the just second one shouldn't have been thrown. I understand. Not even, not, not, again, not that, the, not that I threw the ball late, which I did. Yes. Not that I, I didn't check the backside of the post, which I didn't. I know Dondre Borden was open that play. What I should have done was milk the clock, and punch in the, punch in the, for a touchdown Later. and and leave Chris Rive three four plays and trust the defense to win again. Right. Rather than oh my god, Dundee's because even if he scores, we're giving Rive ninety seconds and and four and and five plays, yeah. they're gonna win the game anyway. But for our general audience that doesn't know the entire context, Mickey yeah. Menza is just 
just stature, his height alone and yeah. his and his uh, ability to to jump and 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 grab a ball out of the air was one of the was one of the defining moments in the game. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, and kudos to him. Like yeah. he, he was given two opportunities to make plays for and his team, did. and he did. And he did exactly. Yeah. So is this where the Stoics' luck runs out? Can Rive outball Walowski in this final here? Well, I'll do my ninety seconds of heat here because you're going to write your article. Yeah. Um, I know the because Iggy has the laziest analysis anyone's ever seen. Um, he's going to just say it. it'll be a blow up because infantry are better, and they are. Infantry are a better team. But, top to bottom. But. And. Not but. And. Yes, and. Uh, although no but would be would be a fun improv game mm. instead of yes, and. No but. No but. <laughs> yeah. You're a janitor. No, but I am a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chris Rive is a gamer. The dude knows how to manage a game. He's not going to give Koyowski nine possessions to score 61 points. Um, that's not going to happen. He's not going to make the same mistakes Ben McMahon did. Um if he makes a mistake, he'll have the kind of game I did, where it's like four touchdowns, two interceptions. Um, it'll be slower. He's going to play with pace. He's going to use the things that work out to his benefit. I, th- I, I think that if infantry win, it's not going to be the blowout that you're going to predict in your article. It's going to be a much closer game. It's going to end up being one of the best finals of the day on Sunday. Okay. Uh, nice. But, yeah, it's just quickly in my 10 seconds of heat. If the infantry play the way they did against vultures, but they they can't is what I'm saying. They like the game script won't be there for them. I I can as as much as the context won't allow nine touchdowns yeah. is what you're saying. The efficiency of the offense. I can see, for example, I can see, for example, uh, Chris Rivet going four and two, and yeah. Koyalowski going six and zero. Oh, yes, five and one. Five but, and five, but that's like, not a like, that's not a blowout. It's not a ridic- like, no, 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 no. It could be it's at not. most a two-score game. I think. But the efficiency, yeah. It, my opinion is going to be that every possession while Corey Walwaski has, it's going for a touchdown. Perhaps. He's going five for five or six for six. If, if again, if he plays with the if the last time we saw Chris Rive in the finals, every drive he had went for a touchdown. Yep. So. Uh, oh, I didn't. I didn't make a comment on whether Chris Rive is going to score or not on yeah. every drive. I was well. We'll read your article for that. I was purely saying on Corey Walwaski's side. Yeah. So let's get into this decrepit division and talk about something else. All which right. Would be let's go to Division Thirty-five B. plus. Uh, which one? Which one's the better game? Or which one do we want to start with? Silent Hitler, Touch yes. and Catch It, or Moretti Crime Family BYOB? Um. <laughs> okay, I, we I, we decided. He said Tickler's yes. Touch it. Yeah. <laughs> touch the tickler. Um, so Rashi Van Applicator is really good at flag football, huh? <laughs> Do you know Rashi? Uh, I, I thought you listened to last week's podcast. Is I that did, he's, yeah, I, he's, 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 yeah, he's not a, a guy that I, uh, he's an Iggy era. That's the new yeah. thing in FPF now. Uh, <laughs> stop trying to make fetch happen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I saw him a couple drives and I'm like, Ooh, yeah. I, and I've heard the name. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I see what the hype's about. He's the, the yeah. best possible version of P's yeah. Iggy, like that style of quarterback. Not particularly gifted with great arm strength, Jeez. but the smartest quarterback. I, I played with him on one of my Div 3 teams where he wasn't quarterback, he was a receiver. Um, I learned so much mm-hmm. in one season with him yeah. playing alongside him, just yeah. on how to see the field as a snapper, mm-hmm. that it defined my entire career as a quarterback. Um the dude is a genius. That's his what recall heard. is ridiculous. Um, his ability to see what you're doing on defense, like the touch and catch a team 
um, is stacked, right, yep. in terms of athleticism. But um, Rashi Benavdikater and his ability to to move the ball and uh, just continuously stay on attack is is impressive. And a lot of our younger listeners and people like yourself, Vicky, mm-hmm. don't know of him. Yeah. Um, He's kind of he's got a kind of game that ages well. It doesn't rely just on physical gifts and stuff. So I'm I'm not surprised to see that. I'm surprised at the score. I'm surprised that it was uh, this far apart. I thought it'd be like a 36-32 sort of thing, right? In that in that area. Um, and Rashi did confer, did tell me early on in the season that um, when he started playing with the team, it took them a while to get it. They didn't get the spacing in the system. They didn't trust it. They didn't yeah. know who he was, yeah. and so. It took them a second to get there because uh, obviously if you see Jordan Panetta throw a ball and you see Rashid Benalikir throw a ball, it's not the same. No. It's not the same. But uh, that afro has got a beautiful brain inside of it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so and it looks like uh, Adam Rosen, his uh, his touchdown uh, and his two interceptions were another you know large component yeah. in, in the game that uh, that prevented Touch It, Catch It from making it a, a closer game. Um, Moretti Crime Family beat BYOB. I thought BYOB was going to be one of the tougher matchups from Moretti Crime Family, but uh, Joey Taylor was amazing in this game. Um, just doing all the things and infuriating uh, BYOB. Um, just it, doing what Joey does, right? Just doing what Joey does, man. Like, I'm excited to see Joey Taylor playing quarterback in an FBF final. It's long overdue. I've seen it before. I'm pretty sure. He I hasn't know. won one. Okay. He's won as a receiver. Okay. Baby kangaroos. Okay. Yes. Yep. I don't believe he's made a final as a quarterback. Okay. I, despite the fact that you thought I disagreed with you, I agreed with you at the beginning of the season that <laughs> I, I, I thought it was a good group of receivers. It's just that a lot of them hadn't played with him before. Like a guy like Justin Lerner's not played specifically with him before. Rocco Cristiano hadn't played with him before. Um, So... It took them a second to get all the pieces to fit, but as the season went on, you're like, "Oh no, no! This is this is what we've come to expect from the dreaded Joey Taylor offense." And um, I was I was impressed, and I was I'm continually impressed by Eddie Lee's uh, defense. It doesn't look like much on the stat sheet, but he was closing out on routes, forcing Matthew Rene to check down, forcing Matthew Rene to uh, look away from primary reads. And that's where we see the mistakes. And uh, Ready Crime Family advance to the fi- to the uh, championship. Oh, and they did it, I believe, without snapper Joel Malkin there. So Joel Malkin was, was not there, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. No, he was not. Yeah, because he had he had uh, like kind of an all star uh, season for Moretti Crime Family. I think racking up over 500 yards and yeah. 17 touchdowns, something something of the like. So uh, to do. You know, to put up 37 on a BYOB, BYOB defense without him, that's nice. nice. I'm nice I'm without much sleep, and I've not stopped drinking since I lost my fa- my my game. This is true. You're drinking on the show. Yeah, um, as one does. But the, I believe it was Don Benevento snapping. That's yeah. And he scored five touchdowns in this game. <laughs> Yeah, Man, that's a that sounds game. yeah. That sounds like a Joey Taylor snapper. If you're gonna give it to him, he's gonna take it yeah. every time. Yeah. yeah, I it's I I just I expected more. I thought this was the season for BRB. I really liked um, 
the team as constituted. Matt Mapage is one of my favorite dudes in FPF. Yep. I thought bringing up Ariel Liberati to play in this division was a great idea. Julien Pema playing two ways for this team in a way he didn't play with Braves. Um, he's excellent. So yep. um, the team's really, really, really well built. So um, kudos to Meridi crime family because it was two of the most impressive roster builds for what they like to do. And... Um, and Julian Pe- and Julian Payment rushing Joey uh, Joey Taylor. How infuriated to think? Ju- well, Julian doesn't ever get infuriated because he's yeah. the chillest dude yeah, in the world. But nice. I can imagine him getting frustrated too. Yeah, it's yeah. Oh, I, I rushed Joey Taylor like for a bit in an All Star game, and I was like, I don't want to do this for like a full game. Yeah, quit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Julian Payment, yeah, I'm sure was yeah. By the end of the game, just what what else can I do? Type of feeling. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, 90 seconds of heat. Murdy Crime Family against Silent Ticklers. Ooh. That's, ooh, th- that's going to be a very good final. Hopefully, GM Calethris can uh, can call the game. We'll see. Yeah. We'll uh, see. <laughs> um, that's not a shout-out for, for GM <laughs> at all. Um, look, I see this one uh, also a, a very high-scoring affair. And while... I think this is a bad matchup for Moretti crime family. I don't think it suits their um, the the offense that they're going up against is doesn't suit their offense. If if uh, you know what I'm trying to say, so the Joey Taylor offense is one that takes a lot of time off the clock, uh, whereas the silent ticklers with with guys like Jordan Panetta, Adam Rosen are can be a quick strike offense. So. You know, taking eight minutes off the clock and prolonging drives, whereas, you know, in one shot, it could be uh, a 7-6 game uh, after, you know, eight eight minutes have, have gone by. Uh, I, I, I can see the Moretti crime family just being a, a score down the entire game. If I'm silent ticklers, I'm playing as tight man as is allowed by the referees. Yes. Yeah. Um, Even and that, playing as hard. physical as is allowed by the referees. Yeah. But... What do you do if you're ready? What do you what defense do you think is most effective for Moretti Crime Family against uh, Silent Ticklers? Either as a primary defense, they'll have to mix it up. But yeah, yeah, the, obviously. But I I like the four one uh, with the cover safety, whether it's Lerner, someone rangy in, in in that regard. So yeah, I like the four one, but force them to at least drive the field. Yeah. You mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Corner walk. All right, last division. We're going to go into Division A. It's a little asterisk. bit strange yeah. Um, yeah. because an one of the games is happening, well, wow. <laughs> as we're recording this, sort of. Tonight. Yeah. Uh, but in the meantime, we can start with the other game, All-Stars and the Apocalypse. Uh, very close, all things considered, well, 39 Jeff 36. Rosenblatt plays the All-Stars incredibly well. He always has, even when he wasn't in the same division, st- dating back to the overnight tournament. Um, That's a while back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But he's always played them well. He's always mm-hmm. played them tough. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the word "goat" gets overused. I hate hearing it in sports analysis. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. the undisputed goat of flag football is Kevin Wyatt. KW, right? Anyone call him KW? No, mm-hmm. well, only jerks. <laughs> I won't. I won't be that jerk. Um, it's it's a misery, man. Like what he does to other teams is he just makes them feel inept. And that's what he did. Um, and it's cool that Jeff Rosenblatt essentially went score for score. Yeah. But if you tell me 
it's going to come down to converts no, and your yeah. two quarterbacks are Jeff Rosenblatt and uh, oh, right. Kevin Wyatt. Jeff Rosenblatt is choosing Kevin Wyatt <laughs> in that scenario, yeah. Yeah. right? So, yeah. um, you know, Pat Jerome did Pat Jerome things. Chris Meard did Chris Meard things. Because uh, uh, Chris Meard only catches touchdowns, by the way, on, on All-Stars. <laughs> That's his only job. Go out and score. I want to see his, uh, his touchdown to uh, reception ratio this year. Uh, if we go into receiving... Uh, Miyard caught 23 receptions. Seven of them went for touchdowns. I thought so there was one. Anyway, one, one, a third. It feels like every time I'm watching him play, he's yeah, scoring. Yeah. So, uh, it's still a third of his catches going for touchdowns. Yes, right? so it's yeah. I like in Division A. <laughs> I like I I love the Kevin Wyatt to Quay Johnson yeah. uh, connection. That went 24 for 11. So every second pass went for a TD. And he tends to <laughs> use him in the red zone also, as we saw in the uh, the, the championship finals yeah. in, in winter, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, We'll see how that how that shakes out, um, but yeah, it's this game is the least surprising. I I think I could have picked that down to the score almost <laughs> because again, uh, Rose plays plays well against All Stars. Mm-hmm. Uh, All Stars will execute better and, Con- and just com- is what it is. Come down to converts. Yeah, and then so the other game. I mean, we have Braves uh, party crashers happening as we're recording this essentially. Uh, if anyone's wondering why this happened, it's because both the Braves and the Party Crashers played in a national championship for flag football, and Braves ended up winning it all, mm-hmm. uh, as yes. well as the Université de Montréal women's team also won it all. So, fuck yeah, Quebec! Yeah. Like, congrats to the champs, essentially. So, I want to, I want to, I want to actually give Rob Campana a little shout out, which even though he's not going to listen, um, okay, the. He won't. I was thinking about this. I was thinking about this. Um, I'm saying okay to the shout out. Yeah. I was thinking about this on vacation. Um, it's pretty impressive that what we've done with FPF, and this is his vision, of course, is we took a, a fringe sport mm-hmm. that nobody cared about, really. Yeah. Um, and it's become like the same way in Karate Kid, the. The rise karate and the Sun Valley Championship was like synonymous. Like Quebec is the home of flag football, and it's not in small part. Uh, it's it's not a small part due to Rob Campana. He he had a huge uh, part in that, right? And 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 the league on the whole, and and of course the greatest credit to that goes to the players who come to us to play. But it, it's it was a moment of clarity for me. It was like. We have this weird sport that we love, and, and we even play with different rules because it's just rules that we're decided on, and it's this unique uh, league, and it's it's been really fun. So it's um, I wanted to acknowledge that because Eagle, to your point, is we keep winning stuff. <laughs> All our teams from Quebec, and we're super proud of uh, of our whole community, as well as the other leagues. I don't even see it as a negative thing when I see other leagues starting up to run MFL. Like it's to me, it's just cool that people are playing flag football and. It, What's good for one league is going to help another, you know, and it's uh, as long as we're all playing, as long as we're having a good time, it's awesome. But let's get to the game at hand. Do party crashers have a chance at upsetting Braves? <sighs> like, uh, hmm, 5% chance? Like, yeah. 95% confidence in the Vogels for the Braves. This is not the best Braves roster. It's not. Um, Jomi is healthy now, so that changes things. Yep. The party crashers offense is not what I think of when I think of a Division A offense. They have great athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, Fred throws a beautiful ball, yep. but you can't be going vertical 
ball game, and it's not going to work against Brewers. Yep. It's not going to work, and they don't play another way. Um, I've said it before on the show. Yeah. If it sounds, I'm not talking trash. I'm disappointed because I think they should be better, based on the talent alone that they have. Yeah, and and you're suggesting that they develop new plays. If it's cover three, just take what's there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Develop new plays that that attack. What the defense is I saw them you. play against Mokar more problems. Mokar more problems played cover three the entire game. Yeah. They played one three five yeah. the entire game. You're not supposed to be able to do that in Division A. <laughs> I don't care about the, yeah. how good the athletes on on yeah, yeah. on, on Mokar more problems is like like party crushers have great athletes. Yep. Just take what's there and you know earn the deep ball. That's all I'm saying. Yes, it should be. I mean. At least it's my that very limited quarterback experience of take. And take look, the Fred is is better than either of us oh my combined. God. Not in, not in even suggesting parallel existence. Yeah. Not even suggesting yeah. close that I come near to. But our job is to analyze. Yes, regardless. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not suggesting that I can throw a better ball than him. Absolutely not. But you, kind of like what you're saying, earn the deep ball by just taking what's short. Get the G, the the defenses. I'm, the defense. I'm, yes, the defenses to to bite, and hit the intermediates. Hit the deep ball when the defenses are least kind of least expecting it, instead of just expecting it. Yeah. If it's finest Braves rematch. Yep. Do Braves come out ahead this time? I I think it's. Very similar to the Jeff Rosenblatt kind of scenario where both teams are going to go score for score. It'll come back, come down to converts. And I just love the way the Braves run their 1.2 point converts with, is it two quarterbacks in the backfield? Is it going to be three? You just don't know. And they attack it. Isaiah Lard, after the, uh, the flag tournament in Ottawa, Came back down for the Kiss My uh, Outlaws uh, Sunday night playoff game and said, because he played with the Braves team, and said, that team plays like a unit. Yeah, They know, they they just have to say a few words and everyone's in clear sync of what the play call is, what the defense is. Like, like we have this, I'm sure you've had this with, um, in your huddles with guys you've played with a while. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's obviously on another level with Braves. Yeah. But, like, for me, it's the coolest feeling in the world is when I look to one side of the field and I say 12-yard hooks. They and then know. the other side's already leaving because they know the play call. Yes. Yeah. Like, th- like, that's the kind of thing, but to the yes. absolute highest level, yeah. communication on the field, yeah. in plays, when plays are being called. Like, it's, I've, I've been around the huddle a little bit to just hear it and see how they operate, and mm. it's, it's really impressive. Now, like you mentioned, this isn't the best Braves Unit. I think the Julian Payman loss. Yeah. So the way yeah. I think All Stars ingra- uh, ingratiated themselves to Matt Kerouac, who was uh, an enemy to the finest team with his D boys days, uh, was to say, "Hey, you're not just a rusher. We're going to use you on offense." The Braves never really trusted Julian Payman as an offensive player, and I think that led him to look for other opportunities. And as good as Branko has been, um, he's not. One of the greatest rushers in FBF history in Julian Payman. Yeah, and yeah. if you give Kevin Wyeth a half a second more, a quarter of a second more, that's a huge deal. That could be the difference. It's an eternity for Kevin Wyeth. It could be the difference between a sack 
interception yeah. versus a touchdown. Party crashers, if they advance, do they stand a chance? What's the what's the percentage chance you can you can five percent against Braves? What's their chance of beating Braves and then beating All Stars? It's five percent and then and then two percent. So it's like half. A I percent. would say infinitesimal. Half a percent, yeah, yeah. like point zero five percent. Yeah, that that's one, uh, the odds. Don't their odds are not in their favor. Yeah, so we'll see how that goes. Um, Eagle, what time is it? Uh, it's time to do some math. If you they have a five percent chance of winning the first game and a two percent chance of winning the next game, that gives them a a point one percent chance. See, by the infinitesimal. Way. I was yeah. wrong. Uh, it is now time for our final edition of Games of the Week. Yes, the music's coming. Let's go. Of course the music's coming. The music is always coming. It's always here. We We're can hear go. it, though, is why. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's what Iggy meant. Yeah. We're going to go in the order of the actual games uh, that are going to be coming up. The, this coming Sunday. Four, My yeah, God, does this like, sneak up on us in a weird way? Um, so, games start at noon. It's like we know when the finals are every year, but we're always surprised. Yes. Oh my god, it's the finals. It's like this in yeah. four days. <laughs> so, first game starts at noon, and they're going to work their way all the way down to 8 10 for the final game of the evening. So, we're going to start with the women's division, which will be Red Nation versus Villa at noon. I'm on the call for that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go Red Nation. So will I. Red Nation. I love how, like, because normal, like, like professional broadcasters, like, well, I can't call that game. I can't make a pick because I'm calling that game. No, FPF, we, we gamble on everything. Not here. We're going Red Nation, both of us. All right. Then afterwards, at 110, Coed 1, Kiss My Outlaws versus Leipzigfuck. You can't pick it, huh? Uh, oh, no, wait, not, not really. Well, but I'm you're playoff not eligible. eligible. You're not playoff eligible. Oh, you are? I am. Are you playing? Maybe. <laughs> Why are you being coy? You're not. You don't matter that much. Yes, I. I, I, <laughs> I don't know. I literally don't know if I'm playing. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah I literally don't know. So, kiss my outlaws by fifty. No, that's something you say. Okay, kiss my outlaws by fifty then. Okay, so you're going to kiss my outlaws. Yeah. All right. Then I don't at think two twenty, <laughs> we have coed two. Kiss my end zone versus three hunters. Now this one I can't pick. By fifty. I cannot pick. Um. I'd like Three Hunters to win just to get some variety, but I don't see it happening. I'm going to go kiss my ankle. All right. 3.30, Division E, Le Petit Carotte versus the Praetorian Guard. It's going to be an awesome, awesome game, though. Yeah, Praetorian Guard for me. I'll go PG as well. PG 13. Then at 4.40, Division D, Dirty Dogs versus Peerless Guard. I wonder if the back-to-back games is going to be a, a factor at all. For pe- the Peerless guys? Peerless, Praetorian. Because that's a lot of speed on Dirty Dogs. And your pick is? Overtime game. Okay. Who wins it? Dirty, huh? Dirty, huh? Dirty Dogs. Then go Peerless card. All right. Then we're going to switch it up a little bit because then we go into the higher divisions. We have Division A at 550. This is going to be the All-Stars versus either the Braves or the Party Crashers. <laughs> party Crashers. Point <laughs> <laughs> 0.1%. I'm going to I'm going All-Stars. I yeah, think I'm the best going team. All-Stars. Yeah. The best team in the division for reason. Yeah. All right, at 7 o'clock, Division B, Silent Ticklers versus Moretti Crime Family. JT wins his first championship, Moretti Crime Family. Let's do it. I'll go ST. Sorry, Hall of Famer. Yeah. Joey Taylor. Two two Hall of Fame quarterbacks this week. Nice. I'll go ST, Silent Ticklers. 
And our last game of the evening Shut at 8-10, Division C, the infantry versus uh, the Stoics. Are you calling it? I'm, no, I'm not calling it. <laughs> I, was, I told Rob to schedule Chris Rive to film the late games. <laughs> yep. And I said I was unavailable to call the game because I'd be playing. So I, I have you and Mo calling that game. Cool. I'm going infantry. Stoics. All right. That wraps uh, That wraps our season of Calling the Audible for spring 2022. Feel like uh, right near the end, we really got into the groove of things. And then Mo decided to like spaz on one of the, <laughs> the last episodes. Cough he should have been on last show. <laughs> it was awful. Like, like every third word was a cough. Yeah. I hope your vacation was worth it. Was, it was, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but was there no one else? No. No, it was last minute too. And... Which, by the way, if you're listening to this episode, thanks for staying with us the entire season. Yeah. Uh, if you want to join our staff, there's always openings on the media. We'd love to hear your opinions, whether they're wacky, wany, or waving. My goal is to get paid by Rob to do nothing. So ideally, uh, you guys can send your CDs and we'll hire you to replace me. That's the dream. Don't forget to register for the FPF Cup. Small change since our last episode. We introduced a fourth tier and upped the caps for the other tiers. So that's going to give a little bit more variety, make the upper divisions more competitive, and have less sacrificial lambs, so to speak, uh, up there and everything. So tier two, three, and now a tier four has been added. Sign up now. Registration is open. And the playoff format is a banger. Um... Iggy, thanks for joining us. Thanks for uh, joining all season long, man. I think like eight or nine episodes. Yeah, you you hauled ass this season. <laughs> it was fun. Yeah, I signed that contract though. Yeah, you well, you basically did every job for calling the audible this season. Uh, yeah, even the calling the inaudible episodes. Um, yeah. yeah, Eagle, thank you for uh, making our show audible. Um, it's not done just yet. We have the finals coming up this weekend, so that's, that's going to be fun. There's always a chance for that to be inaudible. Um, I want to thank the teams and players for tuning in week in, week out. Uh, we have incredible viewership. Uh, we really do appreciate that, everyone. Uh, so thank you for all that. But most of all, thank you all for letting me be myself. Go!